As you consider things that Christians are called to do, a couple of those things, including the, the idea that Christians must fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 Christians must act like men. 1 Corinthians 16.13 Christians must speak confidently. Titus Titus 3.8 So we're to be strong and courageous. We're all to be brave. We're all called to do something that requires us to take action. But those commands are not intended to create people who fight with others. There are ways that we fight, but we're not to fight like we think of as uh, normal people who just go through life and always are looking for a fight. When I use the term macho man, what comes to your mind? I think you got two choices. If I say macho man, you might either think of a song or a wrestler. Keith thought of the wrestler, didn't you? Holly thought of the wrestler too, I think. For me, it was macho, macho man. I want to be a macho man. It was the song. And they both kind of exude to us this image of machismo, and I think macho is just kind of short for that that word machismo coming from uh, the Spanish, kind of a a man's man. Merriam-Webster calls this, uh, defines machismo as a strong sense of masculine pride and exaggerated masculinity. Macho man Randy Savage, he was a man's man, right? You don't mess with the macho man. And, um, um, oh, I was trying to think, what was the commercial he did? I had it before, but, um, oh, what was it? Yeah, ain't nothing like a Slim Jim. Slim Jim, are from, they're for macho men, too. Um, so a second, second definition for machismo is an exaggerated or exhilarating sense of power or strength. So you think of this, you know, there are some people that just, they're all the man's man, and they're strong, and, and they're courageous, they're, uh, they're what every woman wants, they're, you know, it's just all of these things. They've, they're the ones with strength and power and under control, a macho man. So the lesson today is, well, we can fight, we can be strong and courageous, We can speak confidently, but we're not to be a macho man. That's not what Christians are called to. Titus 3, I want to read Titus 3, 1 and 2 again, and it'll remind you of where we've been a couple of weeks ago. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. We talked about this idea of being zealous for good deeds, be annoyingly good. Verse 2. To malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. That's not a macho man who just runs roughshod over everybody, he can beat anybody who steps in the ring with him. We're to be 
we're to malign no one, we're to be peaceable, we're to be gentle, we're to show consideration for all men. Those are the things that we fight for, that we stand strong for. And it's interesting, and now you know why I picked this title, Don't Be a Macho Man, because in verse number two, when it says to be peaceable, that's just one word that is given there, peaceable, and that comes from the Greek, a machos. And they probably say it a little bit different for me, but that comes from, so a machos comes from the two root words, a meaning not, that's the negative. A, anytime you see a at the beginning of a Greek word, that's the negative and true for a lot of our English words then. So, and then mache or mache is fight or quarrel. So we're to mean not fighting, we're to not be quarreling, we're not to be macho or mache. That word is right there in that Greek, ah machos, don't be macho. We're to be gentle and kind, considerate, that's, and we can be strong in those things. Now as we get down to this term for mache is also down in Titus chapter 3 verse 9. And here is a list of things and when you see disputes in the New American Standard, I think it might be different than other disputes or quarreling. But it's one of these things in the list, but it says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law. We're to avoid fighting about the law, arguments about the law. Those are the things to be avoided. Avoid being macho. We don't have to be tough and ready to fight anybody who comes up. We have to prove who we are. That is not the way of a Christian. And so now there is... Uh, the, the application, why this is really important for us, is because as we, as we get into God's Word and we start learning God's ways, we have this tendency to, we, we want to figure out everything about Scripture. I love that about Christians. We, we long to be that kind of people here at Garrett Street, that we are searching the Scriptures daily to hear what God has to say to us. And we follow God's ways and not, not, we don't follow man's ways. And so we have to dive in and study to, to show ourselves approved to God. We want to correctly handle this word of truth. That's a beautiful thing. The danger is once we start doing that and we dig in and we start having discussions about what does this mean or what does that mean, then we can tend to, well, I think it means this. No, I think it means this. And pretty soon... We become macho men and we're suddenly fighting about things and arguing and have disputes over Scripture or over how to carry out Scripture or how it pertains to this or that. And we have to be very, very careful not to be like that. We need to avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law. We need to make sure that we are focusing in and come to agreement on the things that matter. And when we are focused on the things that matter, that's going to prevent a church from being 
torn apart by disputes. So as we move forward uh, and, and seek to fulfill our mission and our vision at Garrett Street, that we want to become the salt and light of the earth here in our communities, we want to have, be the presence of God, we got to make sure that we aren't arguing over things that don't matter. That's what verses 8 through 11 are all about. Verses 8 through 11. Let's read this and I'll give you my little summary of it. Still in Titus 3. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. So my summary of this is a macho man who wants to argue and fight over things is not welcome in the kingdom of God, but is to be warned and warned again, and then if he doesn't listen, listen to be rejected. No macho men in Christ church. We can stand strong for truth. And that's interesting as we think about how verse number 8 starts. It talks about us standing firm, being courageous to stand firm and to speak the truth with confidence. Remember, this is Paul writing to Titus. And Titus is in a situation where, um, as you go all the way back to, uh, to chapter 1, verse number 9, it says, He's encouraging the elders, is what he's talking about here. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. So there is this sense of fighting for the first, fighting for the truth, standing firm in the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Um, verse 10, still in chapter 1, there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they ought not to teach for the sake of sordid gain. Um, on down to verse 16, where we did our sermon a few weeks back, they profess to know God, but by their deeds deny Him being detestable and disobedient and disqualified for any good deed. So there is this sense where we have to stand strong. Paul's telling Titus, you got to stand strong. And you got to teach the elders in the church to stand strong. But when it comes to people who just want to be a macho man and try and fight and argue and and bicker about things, and some people are prone to that. You have to say no to that. Stand firm against that. Back to Titus chapter 3, verse number 8. It says, this is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. 
So here it is. Here is the kind of confidence that we should have. It's in the trustworthy statement. It's in the word that is faithful and true. We stand in this. We stand firm in God's word. And anyone who speaks with authority ought to be speaking as of the oracles of God. It's not my words. Look at it here. If I said anything that doesn't line up with this, call me out. God's word is the trustworthy statement. Concerning these things, we should speak confidently. Well, in this particular text, I think it's interesting, verse number 8, he says this is a trustworthy statement. It sounds like this is the trustworthy statement. Well, is it what he already said, or is it what he's about to say? What's the trustworthy statement? I don't think it's saying something, something he said before or something after. I think we probably would all agree on that. Here's a trustworthy statement. This is a trustworthy statement. All right, what's the trustworthy statement? And he says, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. Okay, so we're getting some, what's he talking about? What can we so confidently assert and teach others? Um, and in verse, verses, if, if I can just back up and, and just encourage you to think about what the lesson has been the last couple of weeks as we've looked at chapter 3, we went through chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And when we talked last week, um, the words took us back to uh, the grace of God has appeared. All the way back to chapter 2, verse 11. The grace of God appeared. And that was reiterated over in these other verses in verse number 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared. He's saying the same things over again. You read, you start back in chapter 2, verse number 9 in particular, all the way to chapter 3, verse 7, that whole block that we've kind of read out loud here in the last couple of weeks. Here's my summary of this, and you can uh, read it and judge for yourself whether it's it's worthy and accurate of being a a summary. In chapter 2, verse 9 to chapter 3, verse 7, It tells us that God has been good to you by showing you grace and mercy. Therefore, you should be good to others by showing them the same. If God has shown you grace and mercy, He has shown kindness and goodness to you. Then you should also go forth in your life and show grace and kindness and goodness to others. Whatever God has done for you, do for others. So, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, this is how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be annoyingly good and annoyingly kind and annoyingly considerate to others. Because you know what it once was to be the opposite. You, verse number 3, we were also once ourselves foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when... The kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared. He saved us. He saved you. Even when you were a jerk, He saved you. And He saved me when I was a jerk and sinful, dummy, selfish, engrossed, and only me, me, me. 
God came and saved me. When I was a rebellious sinner, He saved me. So now there's other rebellious sinners out there. You go forth and show kindness and goodness to them. Because God wants to save them too. This is the trustworthy statement. If you put it in context of Titus and you look through Titus, um, for me it kind of goes all the way back to chapter 1 verse 16. When it's talking, it's a contrast between the people who profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him. They're not fit for any good thing. But you who have been saved, you, as you let God work in your life, you are fit for good deeds. You have been made profitable. You have been made good to go out and share God's goodness with others. That's the trustworthy statement is that you are to live and be the light of Christ. I love that verse at the end of when he was talking to the bond slaves. He started in verse number 9. Talking about bond slaves being subject to their own masters and everything to be well-pleasing. Not argumentative. Verse 10, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will... Adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. So slaves, you got a jerk for a master? Be annoyingly good and faithful to them. Because that's shining the light of Christ. Be good. Do good. Share Christ. Adorn the word of God. Let Christ live large in you. That's a beautiful thing. Argumentative people, they aren't shining the light of Christ. And we can all note and pause and say, hey, but there was times that Jesus, oh, he got a little upset and he stood strong for the truth and what ought to be. And things that were wrong, he he." Kicked them around and knocked them out. And when Jesus was in the temple turning tables and made that whip, notice nobody came up and tackled him and stopped him. Isn't that funny? All those, uh, all those people around, we shouldn't be doing this. He didn't. They turned tail and ran. Jesus was a man's man. So I would, I would almost, you know, we could point to Jesus being a macho man, right? <laughs> but most of his strength was in his ability to act with kindness and goodness in the face of great brutality and hate. He stood strong for truth, but he was always kind when he could be. I think that's why we're called to be live at peace with everyone as far as is possible, as far as it depends upon you, Romans tells us. Live at peace with everybody. Be annoyingly good, and when they get mad at you for, oh, I can't stand that guy, he's so good, he's just fake, you know, always smiling, always always laughing, always putting somebody else first just to make the rest of us feel bad, you know, well, just keep being good, even if they come at you. Be good. Do good deeds for others. And don't be afraid to share the wonderful truth of God's word, which is the reason, give a reason for the hope that lies within you.
Stand for Christ. Be confident. Speak these words confidently. That's how verse 8 started. Um, so in the note that's in the, the, the outline there is well stated. Speak confidently, but do so with kindness and with love. Also in verse number 8, listen to this verse again, talking about uh, this trustworthy statement concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. Engage in good deeds. When believers know God's goodness, they will be careful to engage in good deeds. Or as the ESV says, they will be careful to devote themselves to good works. Good works. And I, I love the language of good works because to me, it, good deeds just kind of makes it sound like holding the door open for somebody. But good works is doing everything good for the kingdom of God. Putting others first always and being willing to speak. Good works are not just doing a deed, but also speaking the truth to those who need the truth. Reaching out to others so that they can be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Those are all good works. So be willing to do good works. When you understand who God is and how good He is, we will also seek to have that same goodness shine through us and reach out to others. In verse 8 ends, still quoting um, with the ESV, because I liked how it used that word, devote themselves to good works, instead of just saying engage in good deeds. Devoted to good works. And it ends by saying these things are excellent and profitable for people. For everyone. This is good for everybody when we do this. It's profitable for the person who does it. It's a prof- profitable for the person who receives that good work. So engage in those things. That's what God made you to do. Now on to uh, verse number 9. Let me read verse number 9. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless. So if you want to know how to be unprofitable and worthless, um, the Lexham English Bible I saw had this translation I really liked. It said, useless and fruitless. Useless and fruitless. You want to be useless and fruitless? Then be a macho man and start arguing about things. Find stuff to argue about with people. That's That's how to be useless and fruitless. God calls us to bear fruit. But if you start engaging in arguments over silly things, silly matters with people, I'm not talking about discussing the truth. But if you're just arguing and discussing things that really don't matter, that is being a macho man, and it's being making you useless and unfruitful. Verse number 10. Reject a factious man after a first and a second warning. So do you hear what's in there? This is very succinct, isn't it? Hey, if, you, if somebody is being divisive, is divisive, if they're causing factions, they're, causing, they're engaging in these disputes, maybe making themselves out to be somebody and telling, oh, you're telling somebody else your opinion... To, is wrong and you don't matter. If somebody's divisive, give a warning with teaching. It's an admonition. 
You talk to them. Hey, what you're doing, look at what's happening here. Look at Titus. You know, we're to be engaged in good works. We're not to be engaged in quarrels and arguments. You need to stop. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, okay, I'm going to stop. They do it again. Admonish again. Teach them again. Call them to repent again. You've got to change your ways. You can't keep doing this. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's, okay, I understand. I'm gonna, I agree. God's right. Third time it happens. This says, reject them. And this idea of rejecting a person, rejecting somebody who claims to be a Christian and is not acting like it, uh, there's, that's a whole sermon. You probably, well, what does that mean to reject them? Well, uh, don't even give a greeting to such a one. You shouldn't be eating with somebody. You shouldn't be saying, hey, brother. It should be always a call to repentance. Always a call to repentance. You need to repent and come back to God. You are not acting like a believer. Verse 11, knowing that such a person is perverted and sinning, being self-condemned. A factious, divisive, argumentative, macho man type, they're self-condemned. They, they have shown themselves to not be following God's word. And you should be able to say, all right, kind of breaks my heart to say this, but... I'm, I'm rejecting you. No longer acknowledging you as a faithful brother in Christ, but one who needs to repent. So, we can't be macho men. We can't be argumentative and divisive. This is detrimental to, to God's church. The assembly means we've been called out from the world to come together, gathering around a table that we are united in Christ. We are one. We're not here to tear each other apart. The church is to be united in Christ. And divisions cause unbelievers to turn from the truth. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he prayed this wonderful prayer. And in John 17, 22 and 23, in particular, it's very pointed. Maybe, maybe that He was praying for us that we would all be one, united. All believers, all believers would be one. United, and there's a reason why he wanted all believers across the world to be one. And that is so that the rest of the world would believe. So that they would, so that the unbelievers would be able to look at the church and say, man, there's something about these people. They love each other. They care about each other. They're so united in Christ. I want to be a part of that. Denominations don't achieve that, they do quite the opposite. And so I, if the, there, I, I call out denominations. Denominationalism is wrong. And I would say if anybody's in a denomination, I would say, brother or sister in Christ, if you're in Christ, come out from division. Don't, don't put yourself in a, in a divisive faction. Don't divide yourself from the body of Christ. Just be a Christian. Please just be a Christian because the rest of the world is looking at us. Don't say, well, I believe this and they believe that. I'm right and they're wrong. That's the essence of what a denomination is. I got the truth. The other people don't. It's kind of getting dummied down nowadays, praise God, isn't it? Denominations are more, they have finally come down to the point where they're saying, 
well, I know I'm this and they're that, but hey, we're all Christians. Okay, then get rid of your name that identifies you as being something more, something different than just a Christian. Get rid of those things. It's starting to happen. People are realizing that being in a denomination doesn't work with God's word. We can't be divisive. Denominations are all there because somebody at some point was a macho man who said, I'm right, you're wrong, we're separating, this is our name, we are not a part of you. That's terrible for the Lord's church because unbelievers look at that and say, eh, I don't want any part of that. If Christianity's right, how do you know what to turn to? Which one's right? They're all something different. Uh, just forget it. It's logical to me. They look at denominations and see... It's logical. We've got to turn to the truth and just follow the truth. Denominationalism is wrong. All right. So the church is to united, be united in Christ and division. And, so, and we bring it back to us here at Garrett Street. Same is going to be true for us. People walk in here and they see us arguing and fighting. They're going to walk away. If they see us... Discuss, discussing scripture and having differences of opinion and doing it kindly and discussing it and say, hey, we want to work and get to the truth, I'd venture to say they'd be drawn to that because if they see we love each other, it's a beautiful thing. So let's get along. And the church should be united in being zealous for good deeds. Titus 2.14 was that reference at the very end. Zealous for good deeds. I love that. Not zealous for foolish controversies and disputes. Don't be drawn to that. Be drawn. Let your life be identified. I'm in Christ. I'm going to do good works for others. I want them to see Jesus in me. I want, I want them to hear my words speaking the truth about Jesus. Let us be strong, confident, and courageous and united as we do good and share the truth with others. That's the beautiful thing about being a part of the body of Christ. We're not macho men who uh, fight with each other. But we confidently speak the things that have been shared with us. And we do good deeds for others and share with them the truth. If anybody is not a part of that body of Christ and you want to today to join that body, waters are prepared. We're ready for anybody to be immersed into Christ Jesus You'll receive the forgiveness of sins, be added to this wonderful body. Not to a denomination, but to the body of Christ. If anybody needs to respond to that invitation, the call to give your life to Christ, you're welcome to come today as we stand together and sing.